What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 57 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it's my honor to be on this leadership journey with you. As we're all seeking to be the leaders we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, we have had a great journey over the last 56 episodes Lots of those of you listening in have been nice enough to stop, leave a review on iTunes. Back in November of last year, this was left by EB4411. Awesome content. Love hearing Mike pull nuggets from these amazing leaders. I look forward to every new episode. Keep them coming, Mike and team. Jay Bridges 9 back in February said, this has been so good to listen to. Mike has a variety of great leaders and asks great questions that allow for practical advice and great opportunities to learn. Mike comes from a sound biblical approach as well, and I would encourage coaches, business leaders, and anyone else who has a desire to grow to download the podcast. Man, thank you guys for listening in. Thanks for leaving reviews. Every time you do, you help someone new find their way and hopefully find some great, great stuff from some of these great leaders. Well, today is going to be no different than any of those in the past. Today, we sit down with a leader that maybe you don't know as well. Maybe you go, God, I'm familiar with that name, but he is leaving ripples in the National Football League. His name is Jack Easterby. Jack has been working with the New England Patriots for years. He was with them from 2013 to 2018, also was a team chaplain in Kansas City, and then while he was with New England, was a life coach and character coach for the New England Patriots. He's a former college athlete, and he uses those gifts, abilities, and skills to take what we know as truth from God's Word, but help it apply it in a, in a place and in a level we don't even see and we don't even understand. Just this past year, he joined the Houston Texans as the executive VP of team development. That's where he helps direct not only the overall culture of the organization, but provide leadership for football operations. What you're going to learn from Jack today is his incredible spirit that he leads with, but the incredible direction that God has placed in his heart of how he works to guide athletes and guide executives to be all that they were created to be, really in the space and place that God put them. So today is going to be a good one. So I want you to pull up a chair, and I want you to listen in to my conversation with Jack Easterby. Well, Jack, it is an honor to have you on Lynch with a Leader. Thanks for being my guest today. Well, thanks so much for having me. And more than that, thanks for doing this for all the people listening out there who are desiring to lead or want to lead better. And uh, I think we need things like this in our country. So I'm honored to be here, but thanks for doing it uh, every week or every whenever you do it. And appreciate uh, how you guys have carried yourself in the community because we need stuff like this big time. 
Man, that's awesome. I appreciate that a ton. You know, I think everybody knows of your career. We'll sort of dive in the deep end and then swim back a little bit. They know about your career with the Patriots and all that's happened there and your role as a character coach. It, it's interesting when I look into it, we talked about it a little bit off air. Um, I'm pretty familiar with, with, with organizations and how they deal with it. Most teams have not had a role like that. Why do you believe that is so valuable to not only teams, but organizations to have somebody behind the scenes pouring in to the bigger pieces of players off the field? What would you say? Well, first of all, I would say, you know, it really shows the, the, the vision and the leadership of, of Coach Belichick when he hired me from from Kansas City and the role that he kind of envisioned for me that, that um, you know, I was so blessed to have. I think he saw the need and saw the uh, desire to continue to grow, you know, the human being uh, inside out. And um, I think when you look around a building, whether it's uh, in college or professional sports or really any sport for that matter, you know, there's all these things that really assist in us being our best, right? So you have uh, video and you have equipment and you have you know, athletic training and you have, um, you know, whatever it is, these different, uh, let's call them programs that help you be your best. And so a lot of times we forget that we're not human being, uh, human doings, we're human beings, right. right? And so uh, we need to be care- careful how we continue to be production oriented uh, just as a, as a, as an industry. And so I think what coach uh, thought was important. And I think that uh, many coaches around the country think is important is that we pay careful attention to the kind of people that we are and that we maintenance our hearts and our heads and uh, that we connect our heads to our heart uh, so that we can uh, be emotionally savvy to navigate the challenges of any sport or any task that we're being able to do. So I do think that, uh, you know, I've been asked that question a bunch about the title. I think that there are people around the league that are doing an awesome job. You know, I know you, mentioned some overlap there you have locally, but I think, uh, for me, you know, I think there's people all over the country leading, uh, whether it's the white house or it's buildings and, in, in um, uh, corporate America, I think there's people doing this. The question is, you know, just what their title is and what they may be called, but we need it. We need more of it. And, um, I've been honored to serve, uh, and to, to do right by this particular team, uh, for the last six years. You know, it's funny because most people, man, they look at, they look at a Belichick and he is an X's and O's genius. Most people wouldn't think this would be a value to him. I mean, that's surprising because you, know, you don't know him. You only know what you watch on TV. Why do you think that he saw this as a need? What, what do you think was sort of going on behind the scenes with that? Well, I think, you know, when first of all, we want to make sure when we make any evaluation as a believer that we don't evaluate things only by limited information. You know, I, I would say when we when you go to look, for example, I always give a hard time about the canon of Scripture. When they put 66 books in the Bible, they went through multiple, multiple scrutinies to be able to make their selves to the canon, which we now call our Bible. And so when we believe something— when we believe it to be true, whatever that is, it should have to go through some litmus test before we believe it to be fact. And so uh, your point there about leadership and looking at people on TV or evaluating people, I think we have to be very careful what we believe because what we believe from a distance without full information is usually yeah. not ever going to be accurate. That's, That's in any word. area, especially with evaluating a coach. But I would say just, you know, uh, specifically to the role, I think, 
you know, I think that people are different now. I think parenting is different in our culture. I think that uh, athletes and structure of their lives are different than it has ever been. And, uh, you know, we went from a greatest generation run nation to a baby boomer run generation. And now we're in the millennial IY generation of seeing, you know, the, 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 um, needs and the challenges of that generation uh, kind of being bled out on the carpet a little bit. And so I think coaches uh, had amazing foresight to say, you know, this is what I think we want to do. And um, he empowered me to do that and uh, really has changed my life. I love him dearly and uh, I'm honored to call him friend. Man, that's awesome. So you didn't play in the NFL. I know that you played golf and and, uh, stuff in college and at Newberry, basketball and golf. Does it make it harder for you to relate because you weren't an NFL player? You know, I don't, I would say, I get asked that question almost every week. I I would say, here's the thought on that, is that if my premise to relate to someone depends on something, then I think it makes it harder. So if my premise in relating to someone is only relating to them based on football, then it does make it harder. But my premise in building relationships is to do right by Christ and to do right by that person. And so I've never really seen that as a as a hurdle for me, because even though I may not know the best, uh, you know, training ground or the best uh, trainer or the best you know skill or the best whatever. In the end, my goal is to do right by the person in front of me and um, to, to serve them in a way that grows them and to love them so hard that the best person of themselves just comes out. And I, I've never seen it as a, as a hurdle. I think that the people that I've worked with have never seen it as a hurdle. And if they did, they'd let me know. But, um, yeah, I, I don't feel that's a challenge. I will say this. I think that the challenges of leading people, whatever environment you're in, uh, are very similar. You know, um, people's uh, egos, people's um, uh, distractions, uh, people's poor choices. Um, those are the same whether you're leading at a, a corporation or in the NFL. And so those are the same, and you try to attack those with Scripture and with a biblical view, um, no matter who you're leading. Man, I, that is so good. And, it, you know, it plays out. I'm going to read you two quotes that, that were said about you, and I think it reflects, Jack, back to your heart to do right by them and right by Christ. David Andrews said he's one of the most genuine people I've ever met. He's been a great friend to me. And, you know, Marcus Cannon said lots of things. He's just that guy. He's a teacher. He's a listener. He's somebody we can lean on. When you're going through something every day, you seem happy and ready to help anybody. That's just the type of guy he is. He likes everybody as a person. When you hear that, when you hear a player reflecting back like that about you, how does it make you feel? Oh, man. Well, I'm humbled by those guys making those comments. I, I uh, you know, I tell you, uh, life is so much about who's and not about what. You yeah. know, I think that um, everybody talks about it from a networking standpoint. It's not not what you know, it's who you know. And I always say that, you know, it'll be the same at the gates of heaven, you know, is that it's not what you know, it's who you know. And God will ask us, did you know me? And, and I think that um, in the end, I think that one of the greatest things that uh, – you can do is to leave each interaction and each person in each relationship better than you found them. And that means you got to treat each person different. You got to listen to their needs and their heart and where they are as a person and their, 
maybe the issues that they're struggling with and some of the challenges that they're going through and maybe even potentially some of the fears that they have that they're trying to overcome. And so, you know, I'm humbled those guys would say that. And, uh, man, I would say the same about those two. That You got two of our best old linemen right there. I think they uh, have proven their their sturdiness on and off the field as, as people and as leaders in our community. So, yeah, uh, humbled by that. But, again, just each individual interaction, whether you're a mom or you're a leader uh, in a big, uh, big public place or maybe even just, you know, you're coaching a local rec team, just do each individual interaction to leave that person better than you found them. You know, I think everybody looks at your life, Jack, and goes, God, I would love to end up there. But that's not where you started. How in the world <laughs> did this whole journey get going for you? I mean, you've had you've had some incredible stops, but I know that there was a lot of there was a lot of a lot of miles put in nobody knows about. How in the world did all that get going? Um, you know, I think <sighs> I tell you what, you know, uh, Proverbs eighteen sixteen says that a gift makes room for a man and will have him do it before kings or perform it before kings. And so I've just always believed that in my life and my parents uh, and my grandparents were great teachers to me growing up is that, you know, you don't ever wake up in your life looking for a position. You know, I think we really fail God when we wake up in our lives and say, well, if I could just be the head teacher, or if I could just be the head coach, or if I could just be uh, the head of this company, then I would be satisfied. We really fail God when we do that because God has gifted us all in unique ways to glorify him. And it's like Psalm 115 says, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And the way that uh, God will be ultimately glorified through our lives, number one is through knowing him. Mm. And number two is making him known. And for the Christian, we honestly make him known the best when we walk in our gifts, you know? And so for me, playing sports growing up was always uh, fun because of the teammates you had, you know, having them over to your house and laughing and eating fried chicken before the game. And uh, growing up, growing up in the South, we were always playing outside and, and meeting people that you didn't have the same demographics as, but you could learn from their story. So whether it was playing different sports for me or whether it was, uh, you know, when I first got started in ministry, you know, I, I felt like team and the opportunity to be with others who were different than me but loved the same thing as me was a microcosm of the body of Christ. Yeah. And then as I got saved and as I grew in who I was as a man, I began to have a passion for trying to build a team that's bigger than our team. And that's the team of the body of Christ as a whole and sharing my faith with others that would help them become the best version of themselves and the best leader they can possibly be. And so again, I've always seen it as in my world that my gift is I love the team. I just love the team. I love the team of Christ and I love the team that I'm working with. And the goal is if you love the team, then things happen on the team that, you know, you can hopefully help produce uh, an avenue or a corner or a stool or somewhere where someone is willing to consider things that they wouldn't consider spiritually unless you were there. And so my passion ever since, I ever played sports was always the team to find a way to bring a team together and to, to serve a team in a way uh, that is authentic and true and honest. And so, yeah, I would say I, I didn't know I'd get be where I'm at now for sure. But, um, you know, the Bible's very clear, a gift makes room for you. And so I would just yeah. say to anybody out there who's listening, and this is the same of you and doing what you're doing on this podcast is you just got to follow your gifts. The yeah. Lord is in your gifts. He's the, he is the gift giver. And don't follow a position, follow your gift, because the Lord will allow 
for room to be made for that. And you'll probably find yourself doing it before the kings of our culture. Well, that's so good. You know, there, there's an old quote, we live life forward, but we understand it looking backward. You look back at Newberry College playing basketball and golf. What, what did you learn there that you use every day now? What were some of those things that were learned while you were just living them out? You were just being a kid, you're being a being an athlete, you're being a student athlete. What were things you learned then that you feel like ebb out of you now and how God didn't waste that experience? You know, that is a, a question I have not been asked much, and I really like that question. You know, there would be three. I, I thought about three things, okay? Number one is things change people change. God does not change. Mm. That's number one. Like that would be my thought is when I was at college. So this is a little bit funny, but a little bit of a blessing. So I had six coaches in two sports in four years. Wow. So I had a lot of transition, right? I had a lot of transition. We were good in both of the sports and that promoted our coaches. They got better jobs and went on to to great careers and I, I love them for it. But Again, when you go through that transition, right, things change, people change, but God does not. So it points you to the principles and the character of God, mm. which I was fortunate enough to, to, to have to cling to when, you know, you're meeting a new coach and you're the captain on the team and you're trying to get the new coach on board or you're trying to get on board with the new coach. Things change, people change, but God does not. So you have to stand true to the transition What when you change states or when you move, you know, again, when I moved from South Carolina to to Massachusetts, or when I moved uh, from South University of South Carolina to Kansas City, things change, people change, God does not. You have to know God and make him known in those ways so that you can be steady in transition. You can't be steady in transition if the world around you is moving as fast as you are. You got to be steady. You got to stand on something sturdy and steady so that you're not movable and shakable. Um, The second thing is I think I learned is you got to get over yourself. You have to get over yourself. You know, um, if you look at the rise and fall of every country that's ever been known to civilization, most of the civilizations, whether it's Rome or it's Nazi Germany or even our country now, they struggle most with ego. You know, ego. We've all heard ego stands for edging God out. And when I was at Newberry, I think playing two sports, doing our own laundry, washing our practice uniforms, um, you know, having – 75 people at the games and um you know i had a small role on on the on on basketball and and a bigger role on the golf team but i think for me like just get over yourself just work at it don't you don't need to have a thousand twitter followers to be great at what you do you don't need somebody telling you they're watching you don't need to be on national television you just need to do your best god is asking for your best that's what he's asking for he's not asking for you to be known he's asking for your best and so I feel like that's the second principle I learned at Newberry um, to get over yourself. And then the last thing I think I learned is that life is going to rise and fall on relationship. It really is. You know, God within himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is relationship. And I think that you, you, you learn from people that you're walking the road with, and they learn from you in such a quicker capacity than you'll ever learn from a hypothetical book or a cir- circumstance that's you know, uh, being taught to you by a teacher, you learn through relationship, you learn about yourself, and you learn about the universe. And mm-hmm. I would just say, so to me, I mean, again, I go back to transition, learning how things change, God doesn't, I learn about ego, get over yourself, the ego will destroy you, it's the enemy. 
Um, and then I learned about relationships and how important relationships are from my AD to my head coaches to my teammates. They've changed my life. It's not Jack. It's these other people who have poured into me that have made me who I am. You know, it's so funny. I, I had the opportunity to play up at Liberty University. And what, what you don't know during that time on the baseball team up there, that becomes your family. I mean, you're with these people 24-7, eight, nine months of the year. I mean, they are literally the people that you do life with. The difference was we were, I was at college 87 to 91. There wasn't a lot of technology. We're waiting in the hall for pay phones back in the day. Do you think it's harder if, if, if you were fast forwarding now and, and Jack was going off to Newberry the way technology is now, do you think relationships would be harder to develop with the battle? And you probably sit in the NFL too, with the battle against technology and that deepening of those relationships. Yeah, that's what you said, the right word there when you said deepening. I I don't think our culture has ever struggled with relationships. I think we've always thought relationships were important. You know, I think we always, you know, you grow up, you, uh, the age old story of of meeting your spouse or the age old story of you and your best friend around the neighborhood. I mean, that's pretty consistent with the universe from, you know, rural Georgia all the way to Japan. I think that stuff is it, people play together, they hang out, they talk. I think to me, the chief goal is the depth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. the depth. It's eye contact. It's consistency of communication. It's telling the truth. It's not doubting what the person is telling you is accurate. Um, and I think that the influx of information we have in the current age amongst the millennials and even beyond that. I think we do struggle with depth because we are engulfed in so much information. We feel like the person across from us doesn't need the information from our mouth. And I think sometimes we just want to sit and assume that the person beside us, our spouse or our teammates understand who we are and and how we should be fractured or we should be feeling or how we should be thinking. And the reality is that that can't happen. So it's incumbent upon coaches and leaders and youth group leaders and people to make sure we're communicating verbally, physically, that we need to be, kids need to be held and hugged and encouraged and loved on and supported. And we need to speak to each other with eye contact and good body language. And um, yeah, I think that it's more challenging in 2018, 19, 20 to do deep relationships. Um, But I do think that relationships in general have always been important to society. Uh, It's just a matter of how deep are we willing to go. You know, we have a lot of a lot of I know a lot of high school college coaches listen to this. You you made a statement. I thought it was so good on on character coaching, team development, no matter the organization. You said you accepted the challenge to be the seeds and water of truth, love and support to grow people and have them be encouragement oriented. If you were sitting down with a high school coach or a college coach or even a guy that's running a team at his office, where does somebody start? doing that how do they how do they take their life and make it more meaningful to those around them and to begin to be that seeds of water truth and love and support and grow people how do you start with that well you know i would say if i was sitting in an office right now and i'm either listening to this or i'm reading a book about leadership and wanting to be a better leader and and maybe even a better developer of people you know my first thing would be you know is you can't win until you keep from losing you know, so I would say, let's go over the year long challenges that come up for your people. So if you're in high school, 
it's relationship problems with your teenagers. If you're a CEO, it's communication structure within the building, whatever it is, go over the year-long speed bumps that happen in your building and document the exact tension points where those speed bumps are made so that when you communicate with your people, you can now be proactive in taking the people's needs and in their emotional fractures in, 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 in account so that when you get to those moments, you can be proactive, which perceives or shows them uh, perception on your part so that you can show them that you're, you're becoming a fire extinguisher for things that cause them pain. You know, I say that pain management is not Advil's job. It's the leader's job, mm -hmm. you know, and you must get out in front of things that, that hurt your people and that potentially make their jobs or their roles harder. And that doesn't mean you give them more T-shirts or you give them more you know, hats, or you give everybody a trophy. That means that you are accurately trying to chase the mission, value the people, and enhance the process. Mm. So I would say, if I was sitting in a corner and I was saying, okay, how can I best my best do my people? I would, I would have everybody in my group write down on the front of an index card, what is the hardest thing for you about this job? And then I would write on the back of this, what is the process that needs the most work in our circle or in our cycle or in our year. And I would take all of those and put them on the board. And I would, as a leader say, I will not leave my office until we have answers to these questions, because I love you enough to not let you continue to stub your toe anymore on these same processes. That would be my first initial. And then from there, obviously it'll open the gateway to a lot of maintenance and challenges that you may have. But that is, that is gold. That is absolute Go. I've never heard anybody process that that way, chasing the mission, valuing people, and enhancing the process. That's. I don't know if you've said that before. That's. You really should. That is really, really good. It because it. We. I think sometimes it's so easy for a leader to overcomplicate it, and they're coming up with. You know, you sit down in the chair, and you're now the leader, and you're coming up with things that may or may not be felt by the people. And the beauty of that is you've asked before you found the answer. You ask first. And that is huge. Mm. That is so, man, that is so good. While you've been there in New England, because I know you spent time in Kansas City. Um, man, I know you spent time at South Carolina. While you've been there, what are some of the things that are lessons you've learned about what makes champions? Way past the scoreboard at the end of the field, and in the stadium, what are some lessons you've learned that you go, like I picked up things at Newberry. Here are other things I put in my basket that I lead from. What are some other lessons you've learned about people that, that are champions in life? Well, I think um, I had a few of these written down when I thought about that question you might ask. I, I would say number one is character will always matter most. There, there, there will never be a circumstance in our lives in the wide window of evaluation where character will all of a sudden not be important. So you are who you what you repeatedly do. And so I would say my time uh, in the NFL and at South Carolina has proven to me that character matters. The kind of people that, that you have in your organization, the kind of people you have in your locker room, it matters. And 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 I've been I've been so blessed by the the 
the depth of character that we've had. And I think that the truth of all organizations, including uh, football, is that if you can count on someone to be somewhere, you can count on them to do something, you can count on them to lead a certain way. If you can really count on them because they are consistently the same person every day and their product is the same every day and who they are is the same every day, then you're going to have a better team. And so I would just say, number one, I would say character really, really, really matters. And you can never have a day in your building or your office where character will not be the most important thing. Um, I would say number two is confessing weakness enhances growth is that, you know, we think a lot of times like weakness is a bad thing, you know, like, oh man, what are you, are you good at this? Are you good at that? You know, things that we all struggle with. Um, sometimes we, we, we are a little careful to share publicly because they show perceived weakness. But, you know, if you don't admit you're weak, you risk the opportunity to continue to stay weak. Hmm. And so, for, for, for me, I think I've seen up in, in both NFL spots that People who just think they got it all together, they're just going to continue to struggle with the same problem. So admitting that you have weaknesses, confessing those, and then getting good principles to help you grow uh, on the back end of that, I think to me is is huge. So character matters. Uh, admit weakness. Um, I think that every morning you need to have a gratitude. Mm-hmm. Every morning you need to say thank you. Um I think we tend to see life through the prism of what we don't have or what's next in our life. And, and we want in middle school, we want to make the middle school team in high school. We want to be on JV and then varsity and then varsity. We want to get a scholarship and scholarship. We want to get, you know, the next kind of, let's call it more playing time. And then when you become uh, more playing time, you want to be a captain then you want an internship then you want a full-time job. Then you want a mid-level job. Then you want to be the boss of the company. And then you want a bigger company. And I just think we get sucked in so quickly in this life into what's next. We forget every morning that God kept your heart beating last night and he given you air. He's given you things to do and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And you need to start every morning when your feet hit the floor with an attitude of thankfulness to say, God, only way possible I'm here is because of you. And I praise you for this. And I thank you for who you are. Um, I would say the, the, the next thing, and this is something that I, we, we kind of referred to earlier is you will not grow unless you listen. You will not grow. You just won't. Um, we spend a lot of time in our business talking, but listening is where, you know, you infil- you'll infiltrate your mind with new ideas and new opportunities to become something that you weren't before. And you hear other people's mistakes. You hear other circumstances that help you grow. So you need to listen. You need to be a great listener. You need to be an awesome listener to people as they go through things so that their heart in- is is so, so thoroughly available to your ears and not just um, to your mouth, because I think that's very important as we interact with others. Um, you know, and then lastly, I, I think for me being up here and just seeing the different management structures is, you know, I think um, everyone has gifts, you know, and we have roles. And I think that so many times we see roles as limiting to us or gifts as gifts that we have that we may not want or that we may want somebody else's gifts or somebody else's roles. And I think the gifts and roles allow us to participate in something that's bigger than ourselves. And so uh, just, just honing in on your roles and your gifts um, 
is really a good thing. It really is. You might want more. You might think you need more. You might think you're deserving more. But, man, if you can just walk straight in what you are as a man or as a woman or as a, as a, as a boy or a girl, if you can just walk in who you are, you'll be surprised how much your gifts will make run for, room for you. And that role that you had six years ago has really expanded into more. You know, I, I hear in your voice, man, I've watched tons of your videos. I've listened to other interviews with you, read a lot of your stuff. Um, out on the internet, there's a huge drive in you and you want to be a drive. There's a drive I hear to, man, I want to be a great, I want, I want to make a mark on this world as a servant. There's no doubt about that. Has it been hard along the way to balance that passion for ministry while still being a great family man? Has, has that been a hard thing for you to strike? How's that worked for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I mean, anybody who wants to be great, you know, had has is going to struggle with balance. I think that's something that we've. Uh, my wife has been an amazing servant to me on, and reminds me of it. A good accountability group I have with my foundation that's pushed me, and um, I think that uh, you know, I would say that you can't do it alone. So my family's very involved in what we do. You know, we have our guys over to dinner, and we're constantly involving them and what we're doing. And so I don't think I'm doing this alone. I don't think it's daddy's job. I think it's a lifestyle, you know, for us. And and so we're committed to knowing Christ and making him known and the, and the people that have my last name and then those who don't, you know, so we've, we've been uh, challenged by the, the, definitely by the hours and all those things. Uh, but I, I've just seen it as, you know, this is our lifestyle and we're going to do everything we can do to, promote the gospel and to make sure that we have good balance, but we also promote the things that we're trying to share at work also to our children. And that is always going to come first for our family. So yeah, we, it's a challenge, but um, you know, again, it's, it's one of those that I willingly welcome for the opportunity to impact. You know, I, I was reading an article and I think it was in one of the articles, a guy said, you know, if I call him at two o'clock in the morning, I know Jack will be there. And you said your, your comment was, yeah. I mean, when you earn that right to be heard, I've got to be there. When you look at guys, because everybody, everybody, and we said it earlier, makes the assumptions about things. But you know these guys, intimate details of their lives. You know, you know what's going on. Their their time in the NFL really isn't for long. I mean, the reality is, for every Tom Brady, there's a guy who's in it for six months or a year. I mean, they're they're just not in it for very long. I remember when I first met with the chaplain of the Falcons back in 08, James Trapp, who works at the NFL offices now, James said, Mike, I work for what they're doing now, but really I'm trying to give them a tool bag for that day that the conversation comes and football is no longer their option and they don't get to play anymore. What, what are the things you want to leave guys with when that game is over? What, what are going to be the tools that every young man's going to need that you go, man, God put me on this earth to give them these tools. What would you say? Well, I would say the number, there's a few things. I would say number one is I think there's no tool better than scripture. Amen. Yeah. I just don't think there is. I don't, I don't think there's anything out there that you'll find that has more helping, uh, pointing, um, evaluating, you know, uh, just reflecting things in it uh, than scripture itself. And so the context of God's word, which book for what, what book for which I think is, is the number one thing I want to try to 
have infiltrate everything I'm doing in leadership. And that that's specifically for my own family, but also for others. Um, you know, I would say another tool is relationship building. I think we have to have relationship building tools. How do we follow up writing handwritten notes and telling people we're thankful for them and, um, you know, walking through different levels of leadership and trying to focus on those. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, that's, that's another one. So to me, relationship building is, is another tool that I, I think, I think, um, the, the professional part of our job is that there's a, there's a, there's an itch in your soul that we all know when you've done your best, right? When you've done your best, you know, when you've done your best and you know, when you haven't done your yep. best. And so I, I would say another thing that I really am trying to develop in all people is that when I interact with them, I don't know, you know, always where everybody's coming from, but I hope to pr and pray to be able to interact with them enough that it's, we get their best. You know, we know, they know what their best is. I know hopefully what their best is. And we know whether that was their best in that previous activity. And so to me, again, I feel like, you know, pretty clear and simple that you can um, just try to have some, some, Simple, simple um, measurements that are internally that say, you know, was that my best? Yeah. You know, so again, I think that's a that's very important for someone to learn as they try to grow and they go beyond sports and into life. Um, you know, and then beyond that, you know, I think transition. You know, I think transition is a tool bag we all need. I mentioned it from Newberry in my time there. I think we need to have transition tools. How do we evaluate? the top four or five people in our lives that are going to go with us every city that we go to? How do we evaluate uh, things from a, a financial standpoint? How do we evaluate things in our lives from a, a, a strategy standpoint and things that are best practices to do in our lives? And so transition to me has always been important because if you have relationships and you, you, you know, have some other tools, but you can't transition those tools from one, one to another, then you're going to hit walls at times, you know? And so, um, yeah, so those would be the four that I would say for right now that are kind of on the front of my mind, um, building into people as best I can. You know, I heard you in another podcast that was with one of your former athletes on his podcast, but he, he made a, he made a statement. He talked about accountability and your, the way you broke up accountability. I'll never forget. You said it's really given an account of your ability. That is that is phenomenal. That is a phenomenal way. When you think that is really good. When you think of accountability that way, what changes about you? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, you start thinking about the audience yeah. versus the, uh, effort, you know, the effort of accountability is a good way to do it. You know, so if I say to you, Hey man, like you're accountable for that. Like then I could, I'm implying that you need to give more effort. Right. But if I say that you need to give an account for your ability, then I'm, I'm tying your effort to a reporting structure to God and to your teammates that you're going to have to share whether or not that was your best with, with somebody who's watching. And we all know that when we know God's watching, we're tending, we, you know, when people, when the teacher walks in, the students sit up straight. When the coach walks in, everyone's willing to dive on the floor or run an extra sprint. And so when we know that God is always watching, I think it's, hey, man, listen, God wants you to give an account for your ability. And that's all it is. It's, it's, a, it's a way to say, instead of just more effort, I want you to know that there's somebody watching at all times. You know, it's not just effort. It's intent, effort, intent, 
plurality, communication, um, um, just consistency. All those things are going to go into your accountability when you know somebody's watching. So again, just not more effort. It's, it's, it's giving an account to somebody for your ability and knowing that you did your absolute best. That is so good. It, I heard it. I was, I forgot where I was. I was listening to just some stuff and I heard it and you know, I'm a, I'm a, a pastor for a living and I'm like, man, I hope I can remember where I heard that because that's going to get repeated and I want to give full credit for it. But that is so good because it does bring everything into perspective. I mean, it really does. And it, it makes this statement that people say all the time, have, it puts legs to it and, and put some ownership to it. That, that was, that was so good. So here's Jack Easterby, man, you, you pour out, you are a, you are a, uh, you're a gas tank that just continually has people empty. You empty yourself into people. That's your, that's your life. That's what you do. Your family, your spouse, the teams that you serve with and work for your foundation, speaking engagements. What do you do to fill yourself back up? How do you, how do you as a leader keep from finding yourself depleted? Uh, you know, I, I've said this to people and they laugh at me, but I always say if your output exceeds your input, then your upkeep is your downfall. That's right. Because the truth is that, you know, you can't give more than you have. And for us, you know, I love time with my wife. I love reading. I've read a bunch of uh, books lately on leadership and uh, I've always loved Maxwell and, and John Gordon and um, I think uh, for for me though, really, what gets me really engaged and fills my cup is worship, worshiping God, uh, cutting on praise and worship on a beach, or cutting, uh, going to hear a great Hillsong concert or a great um, Elevation concert or something that really is worshipful. And then I'll tell you what else is I have a few people in my life, my accountability partner, and a few other people that I can just let my hair down with and just laugh and sit around the table and not watch the clock and talk about issues and, and, and where I'm not kind of on go, I'm just talking and laughing. And so people have always refueled me worship and my wife, um, and God's word obviously is a huge part of that where you just sit with him and you just listen, you know, and, um, you know, I, I'll never forget. I, I read an article or listened to, uh, listened to a, uh, uh, one of those articles that was read by 60 minutes. It was like a replay of a, interview with mother Teresa and they said, you pray six hours a day. Oh my goodness. What are you talking about? And she said, mostly I just listen, mm. you know, mm. and, I, and I remember that because I, I feel like, you know, for people who have been called into leadership, most of the time when you get by yourself with God and you recharge yourself, you're just looking to listen, you know, and be still and know that God is who he is and just let the world's busyness pass you by for just a little while. So yeah, just recharging, taking walks, feeling my girls, you know, we have Tickle Friday. I come home on Friday for a shorter day in the NFL schedule, and we have Tickle Friday. We tickle all over the bed for about 30 minutes. And, um, you know, we, we have family fun nights on Friday nights where we play board games. And um, I've lost a couple Monopolies and Uno <laughs> last couple weeks. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's how we recharge and, and doing whatever the Lord would want us to do as a family so that we are prepared and uh, encouraged. I love that. I love that you built it into a rhythm. So, I mean, it's that, it's that weekly rhythm, that weekly recharge. When, when, when uh, you think about life, final question, what do you think was the purpose God put you on this earth for? 
you know, it, it, you know, Scripture says David served his purpose in his generation, and then he was done. He fell asleep. What do you think was Jack Easterby's purpose in his generation? Gosh, I, I um, that's a great question. You know, I think I think God is is burst me for relationships. Uh, I think He, um, my parents and my grandparents again uh, were always growing up, and they were always demanding eye contact of me. They were always demanding me to uh, write thank you notes. They were demanding me to uh, tell people how much I was thankful for them and I appreciated them. And I was spent a lot of my time growing up with with people, um, not alone, not with a, 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 a Nintendo or with a game system or with my a phone. I, I spent a lot of my time with others, with teammates. And like I said, growing up, uh, you know, eating food before games and sitting around my house and learning uh, different people's stories and watching uh, people present at church and learning from people. And so I, I think God has put me on this earth for relationships. And I hope I've poured into others and poured into people and they desired to have more uh, authentic and, and genuine relationships. Because, you know, if you look at our culture right now, you, know, you can do so much by yourself. You can go through a drive through and not really talk to anybody. You can order on your phone. You can spend six to seven hours liking pictures and all that stuff. But you, you don't grow when you're by yourself. You grow in relationship and you grow through community. And so I think what life, God has put me on this earth for amongst uh, many things that glorify him is to know him and make him known. And the way I feel like I do that best is to build relationships and help others to be encouraged to navigate life's challenges with energy and authenticity. So um, I don't know. He might change it 10 more times if you ask me that question <laughs> 10 more years. But I think for now, that's what I've seen. And, and, you know, when you go to multiple environments, that's a great question you asked me because the only way to really know that is to go to multiple environments and just see what keeps showing up. That's right. You know, what, what keeps showing up in your life? What keeps showing up? that you desire to do or you, you, um, you lean towards and, um, and what do people say about you every time you leave a place? And, um, for me, I think it's relationships. I told you he was going to be good. Didn't I? Holy smokes. You know, Jack was one of those guys I've known of through the years and followed him and it was such an honor to get to sit and talk to him because I respect his work so well. And man, that guy, that guy's getting it done. And, and it's neat to see how God is elevating him and how God is using him and not just creating the culture of an organization, but creating the, the culture of men that he is helping to lead. Good stuff. What a great, great guy. Jack Easterby is, and I'm pulling for him as he builds and works now with Houston Texans and does what he does does what he did with the Chiefs and the Patriots, but takes it even to a further degree. Man, good stuff. Well, because it's football season, hey, we're all sports fans, right? We're continuing in the football vein. In our next episode, episode 58, we're going to sit down with an analyst for the NFL Network, Mr. Daniel Jeremiah. He also writes for NFL.com. He's a colored commentator for the Los Angeles Chargers. But what I love about Daniel is the background Daniel comes from and how Daniel synthesizes this faith that he has been living out his entire journey, but now how God is using the platform that uh, he has to make such a difference. You are going to love 
listening to Daniel Jeremiah. You may listen to his Moving the Sticks podcast. I listen to that great podcast on the NFL and sort of the behind the scenes stuff. He's a foremost expert in the draft. We'll talk about that a little bit. But man, bigger than all that, he's a man who loves Jesus. He happens to be an NFL guy. But man, what a guy. So until then, man, share this with a friend. Pause it if you're listening on iTunes or, or Stitcher or Spotify. Pause it, forward it to a friend, forward it out to social media, share it. And thanks again for listening in. Until the next time we gather together, go be the leader that you were created to be in the space and the place that God has put you. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.